Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper, and it's always a pleasure to have you join me on a journey as we explore the world of sales, sales leadership, personal growth, and so on and so forth. In today's episode, we're gearing up for a remarkable episode filled with insights, inspiration, and the unwavering pursuit of success. Our guest is someone whose story transcends the boundaries of sports and offers invaluable lessons for anyone striving to gather greatness in their career and in their life. This week, we're thrilled to have a guest who embodies the essence of determination and the incredible power of harnessing emotions to overcome obstacles. Their journey from adversity to achievement will leave you inspired and motivating. So stay tuned as we explore the universal principles of success and how they can be applied to the world of sales and sales leadership. Welcome, Drew Baldwin. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this wide, beautiful world, you are very welcome to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. So every week we delve into the world of sales, sales leadership, high performance. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm the sales relationship coach dedicated to training and coaching professionals to reach unprecedented levels of success. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Drew Baldwin with me today. He's on my right, and I've got it correct today. And we're going to be talking about lots of different areas of mindset, confidence, and mental toughness. So, Drew, you're very welcome. Well, I appreciate you having me on here. Jason is Dre, by the way. That, Dre, that w, I'm sure that actually, like, a lot of people add that W in. It's okay, but it's yeah. just Dre. And uh, I'm glad to be here, excited for this conversation. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on there. And um, before we go into it, I, I was absolutely blown away by your approach to me. And it's uh, you sent me an email with a video in it. And... No one's ever done that. I've done a hundred of these podcasts or so, and no one's ever reached out to me in the way that you did and made it so personalized. And I thought, I'm going to have to have you on this podcast. So you actually specialize in helping entrepreneurs and athletes dominate the game from the inside out. I love that. Getting the most for your ability to be recognized for your performance, feel better about yourself. So, um, your work history you spent nine years as a professional athlete. I can see that. Um, before we spoke, we were speaking about running and all of that stuff, but we can cover that. Uh, you've authored a load of books, including work on your game, use pro athlete mindset to dominate your game, pioneered athletes, uh, video workouts online. And look, there's so much of an, collection, an eclectic array of stuff that you've done. You've over 100,000 subscribers on youtube and 4.5 million downloads on working on your game podcast look you've got so many accolades uh can you give some top highlights to how um what you've done to where you are today man uh well i think you just gave them but uh (laughs) overall it was uh, the biggest i would say inflection points jason were just going from Starting basketball at a relatively late age. I was age 14. I'd always played sports, but didn't really get to basketball until a little bit later. And not really playing high school ball, only playing one year and didn't really play. Walking on to play college ball, 
and playing at the Division Three level, which is the third tier of college sports where you know, pro athletes don't come from that level. And then just uh, hustling my way into an opportunity to play professionally after graduating from college, because at none of those levels that I just mentioned was anybody coming and seeking me out. I had to go and seek them out and basically sell myself to get the opportunity in the first place. So just the fact that I was able to get started playing ball when nobody was really checking for me was a, a big thing for me. And then uh, I would say a second inflection point, I'll give you three of them. Second one would be uh, taking footage from this event called an exposure camp. It was basically like a job fair for athletes yeah. that I played pretty well at. And I put that footage, I uploaded that footage to this new website that said you could put up footage for free. It was called YouTube. And that was in 2005. And that's where I started to build my name on the internet. I started to get known online simply because I was putting free content out before putting free content was a normal thing to do. So that's how people started to know me online. And I was doing both of those, playing ball and putting content online at the same time. And then the third inflection point would be about five years later, where I was already playing pro at this time, Jason, but my phone was not ringing. So anybody knows the entertainment world, sports world is the same way that, yes, there are the mainstream people who you know about, the big names, but then there are people who are they are in the game, but they're not always in the game. Sometimes they're in between jobs and they're waiting for that phone to ring. And these are people you might see them working, bagging groceries, you know, serving tables, working at Starbucks in between jobs. Mm -hmm. So there was a time I was in between jobs, the phone wasn't ringing. And I started to create my own products and services online. This is where I started to monetize the fact that I had an audience on the Internet. And this is where I officially became an entrepreneur when I started to monetize the audience that I had started to build. And that is... And kind of what laid the groundwork for where we are now with my company called Work On Your Game, which is I started to uh, give value to people from my brain rather than just from my body. Because as an athlete, I was teaching people how to dribble, how to shoot, how to dunk yeah. basketball. But then when I started teaching the stuff that's in my head and turning it into products and services and offerings, that's when I said I knew what I'd be doing for the rest of my life. So mm -hmm. I'll give you those three highlights. Wow. And that... To get to be a pro athlete anywhere, especially in the US, you have mm. to do something slightly different to everyone else to be right. noticed. And mm. it's the same in business and it's the same in sales. You have to be someone slightly different to be noticed of what you do. So what do you do specifically to get noticed? Uh, uh, other than online content and everything else that you say, that's the thing that you've done. But what went through your mind when you did that? in the athlete and uh, being a pro athlete because mm. it takes the mental resilience to be up there and to get the knockbacks and everything else what did you do specifically and what did you say to yourself when you did that to actually get into the game yeah to get question? into the game because then you're saturated really with athletes yeah. like yourself you must have done something yeah. differently to just get hey, here i am Right. So I'll give you a, I'll give you three things here again. So and it's, it's saturated in a way that it's saturated in terms of the people on the outside trying to get in. Right. So yeah. trying to get into the door. So number one is, of course, I had to have the game. You had to have a certain level of ability. So what I how I explain it, John, Jason, is that there's a baseline level of ability that you have to have if you even want to be eligible. So if you're not above this line of skill level, then you're not even in the conversation. So I had to get to that skill level. That was the mm. practice working on my game. That's the part most athletes understand. Now, the next part was I knew I had to cut through the fat. Like you just said, there are a thousand players trying to get every one job. Yeah. So how am I going to get through these guys? Now, I can't 
objectively prove that I'm better than them. I subjectively think I am, but can I really prove that? Not really. So what was I going to have to do? I knew I was going to have to do what most other players didn't do. So the first thing I did was go to that exposure event. Instead of sitting at home saying, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, somebody come find me. I said, let me go find them. So I went to the exposure event, but it was a couple other hundred players who had the same idea. They were all there. Yeah. And we all had to play against each other, right? And our audience were the people, the decision makers, the people who get to choose their next player. So it's like a casting call, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I played pretty well there, but I wasn't the only person who played well. A few people played well at that event. I took the scouting report, which was basically a third-party source saying that this guy's good enough to play pro. And the footage was actually on this thing called a VHS tape. You remember those? Oh, yes. Yeah, Basically. yeah. I remember though back in the day. Yep. Right. So after that event, I went back home after the event because the event was in Orlando, Florida. I'm actually from Philadelphia, PA. So I went from Philly to Orlando, drove a car there, 19 hours that we rented, drove back to Philly, had to be back at work because I was working a regular job at the time. And I started cold calling basketball agents, not teams, but agents. Mm. Agents in sports are just like literary or entertainment agents. They're to the go between between the talent and the jobs. I knew I needed to hire an agent because I didn't know the people who had the job opportunities. So they did. So I had to sell myself to one of these agents. And I called about 60 agents. About 20 of them said, let me see what you got. Those 20, I sent them copies of my VHS tape. Mind you, this is before you could send a link. I'm sending copies yeah. of VHS tape in a padded envelope around the world to these basketball agents. And of those 20 agents who received the tape, one of them hit me back and said, I'm interested in representing you. That's how I got started. So the second thing here was... Even after I did something that, quote unquote, proved that I was good enough, which was the exposure camp, I still had to take another step to get that proof into the hands of people who mattered. Because it'd be one thing if I had the proof or I showed it to my, you know, my friends on, you know, at the time, it wasn't even Facebook. I had a little blog at the time. It'd be one thing if they knew about it is a whole other thing if somebody who can actually do something knows about it. So that was the second point that I had to go and sell myself to the right people to get into the game. And then the third thing was, uh, once I got my opportunity, I had to make sure I stayed in because just because you get in doesn't mean you're staying in, right? Because a lot of actors and actresses get a, a chance on a pilot, but that's the last we ever hear of them, right? A lot of athletes get a chance that we call it in sports, they call it having a cup of coffee, right? You have a cup of coffee in, in football or basketball or soccer yeah. or baseball, but you don't stick around. So for me, it was how do I make sure I can get another opportunity and another and another? So I always kept that selling myself uh, hustling mindset throughout my career because I understood that just because I have this job, there's no guarantee that I'm going to get the next job and the next job. And in my career, every year I was playing on a different team. I never played on the same team two years in a row. So every time one job ended, I was a free agent all over again. I had to do it all over again. So what built in that internal mindset to actually, for you to actually achieve that? Because we know what it's like in sales. We know what it's like in business. You get knocked back, knocked back, knocked back. So what made you stand out more than other people in order for you to do that? Because I'm fascinated by what's going on inside your mind. And mm. what did you, what did it take in order for you to do that? Uh, with, and I think four things I think I got here. So number one is the discipline. So the discipline, I would have to give credit to just my upbringing. Uh, my parents at home, they're not athletes. Neither of them is even close to my height. Uh, they're not basketball players at all. And How tall are you, by the way? In, in American measurements, I'm six feet four inches tall. So I, it's about 193 centimeters. Taller than me then. Slightly taller than me. I'm six foot two. But yeah, I had to throw that in there. Uh, you're you're taller than average man. Yeah. yeah. 
average man is like five nine, right? Five yeah. something like that. So my parents are shorter than the average man. My mom's like five seven, my dad's like five eight. So they're not athletes at all. And they didn't push me to try to play a sport. Now they they would support if I wanted to, but they didn't say go play sports. Mm. So but one thing they did do, they were all about the discipline, you no, know, doing your household chores, do your homework, you no, know, things like that. So I just took the discipline that I got at home and I started applying that to sports. So that's number one. Number two, I had the vision. By the time I was about age 16, even though I had not accomplished anything in sports, I got this vision in my mind that I could be a professional athlete. And that's what I wanted to go after. And that vision matters because as long as you have that vision in your mind, you'll keep trying on a thing. And one of the things that I tell people when they ask, should I quit something? You know, because we have all these uh, cute sayings about never quitting things. I disagree with that. I think there is a time to quit things in life. And one of the pieces to knowing you should quit something is you no longer have the vision of that thing being where you're going to go or you know, seeing yourself being successful at it. So even when I was failing in sports, I always had the vision in my mind that I was going to succeed, even though the reality said something completely different. So number two is that vision. The number three thing is the mental toughness, just dealing with the fact that, again, I, I tried out for my high school team every year. I only made it once. And the one time that I made it, I sat the bench the whole season. I didn't even play. And I was a senior. So and the seniors are supposed to play the most. Right. So I didn't play at all. Yeah. So that mental toughness, then getting out of high school. Nobody was asking me to come play for their college team. So whatever college I was going to as a student, my goal was, my vision was, let me just try out for the basketball team. I'll just walk on. For those who don't know what walking on means, it means you literally walk into the gym and you try to play your way onto the team, yeah. any sports team, which is what I did. But again, I was only playing at the Division three level. So it's not like I made the team and all of a sudden there was this big parade. You're going to be successful. <laughs> D3, nobody cares, right? Who cares who's, what are you doing at Division three college, right? And I had teammates who played better than me in college who they didn't get an opportunity to do anything because nobody cares about a Division three player because who are you playing against? You're playing against other players who are not serious, ambitious players. So it doesn't really – you're not proving anything by doing, doing great at that level. So it was the mental toughness there. And then I got out of college. My first year out of college, Jason, I did not start playing pro my first year out of college. I worked a couple of regular jobs. I worked at Foot Locker selling sneakers. Yep. I worked at a gym called Bally Total Fitness selling memberships. So an entire year from graduation until I got my first opportunity, it was more than a year, actually. Most players, most people rather, can't go an entire year not getting a shot at the thing that they want to do while still maintaining the vision that they're going to do it. Mm. So that whole year went by. I kept it in the back of my mind that I was going to do it, even though there was nothing in my reality that said I was going to do it. And there was no one. It's not like I had another person working on my behalf while I was working at the gym or working selling sneakers. Mm. I had to keep this vision in my mind until the opportunity presented itself. So that that third piece is that mental toughness, which is a, a big part that I think a lot of people fail in life simply because they don't have the mental toughness to keep going when it's not working. Yeah. And the fourth part is kind of what I told you about when it came to the agents is my ability to sell. Uh, I've always been a salesperson. I've always been a business person. And I like to tell people, Jason, uh, I'm a businessman who happened to play basketball for 10 years. Right? <laughs> basketball just basketball just happened to be the business that I was selling at the time. And that that mindset of selling myself is how I was able to get that opportunity. That's the only reason I got it, because I could have had the same talent if I didn't take the initiative to go to that exposure camp and pay $250 US to go to that camp. If I had not taken the initiative to go to my boss at the gym and say, hey, can I negotiate with you to get three straight days off? Nobody gets three days off. 
mm-hmm. working in retail. Like nobody gets the weekend off. You work in retail. And I had to negotiate with him to get the days off. I worked like 21 days straight when I came back to make up for the time that I had missed. Right. Yeah. So I had to have the initiative to do that. I had to sell him on the concept. Then when I got home, I had to sell agents on somebody representing me. And I told you, I called 60. I got one agent. All right. 60 calls, one agent. So I had to sell myself. And then even once I got in the game, every year I had to sell myself again. So that exposure camp was the first one I went to. It wasn't the last one I went to. So mm-hmm. I had to keep selling myself over and over and over again. And that those four pieces, I think, are the keys to why I was able to make it happen. Yeah, there's a hundred questions going through my head when you were speaking. And I was going, which one should I ask next? Because I think the mental toughness and you've built up some really good foundational skills and it does come with the support network that around you and the influence and the social influences that you have from the support from the family and everything else. But it could have gone the other direction. But if you didn't have that vision... I always like to say, connect your passion with your purpose to your dream. Uh, a great Zig Ziglar quote, if you know who he is. And uh, I've uh, been lucky enough to speak to his son on many occasions before. And it is that dream, that vision and that purpose and that tunnel vision to know what you want and how you're going to get there. And that comes in direct correlation to setting yourself up for your business because a lot of sports athletes they either finish and they get depressed and they go well what am i going to do next or they go on and strive into different areas and you've sound like you've used a lot of different things so the question i always like to ask is if you were interviewing you what sort of question would you ask you man nobody's ever asked me that i've done a couple hundred interviews nobody's ever asked that question jason that's a great question what would I ask me is I would really, because I'm big on mindset. Mindset is a huge thing over here in our world. And I always emphasize to people, no matter what you're trying to do tangibly, if the mindset is not in the right place, you're not going to do it. And whatever you're trying to resolve tangibly, you got to get the mindset, the right mindset around it first so that we can build the actions on top of it. So what I would ask myself is I would dig more into the mindset and the mentality of why I did what I did and how I had to make myself think and convince myself to think in order to take the subsequent actions that I took. Because the actions that I took, I didn't mention anything that's like you never heard of before. Like nothing that I said. Nobody I didn't invent cold calling. I didn't invent going to an event. I did not invent selling myself. I did not invent negotiating with a boss. I didn't invent any of those things. Mm. But what was the mindset behind my actions because if you don't have the mindset you're not going to take the actions i could tell somebody to do these exact things if they don't think the way i was thinking they won't do it all right so that's what i would dive into is the what was the thought process that led you to doing what you did so what has to happen for that to happen to create that mindset behind what you've done what Mm -hmm. what were the triggers behind that because i'm fascinated by that because this is really good for sales people leaders anyone in business out there you just got to have that Excellent question. And the key is making a decision. And I talked about this in my book, Work on Your Game, which you can you can see over my shoulder over here. And I talked about this when I when I got out of college. It was actually two things that happened. Before I got out of college, my last, my second to last year, my junior year, a new coach had come into the system in college. Anybody who knows about college sports knows that when a new coach comes in, what happens is sometimes they clean house and the former players 
don't stay on the team, not because they can't play, just because the co new coach wants his own people. Same way a new CEO comes into a company, some executives lose their job, not because they're not good. So this new coach comes in and I end up losing my position on the basketball team as a junior in college. So my last year and a half in college, I was not even on the basketball team at a division three college. So when I tell you it was a year plus after graduation, you add another year onto that between times I was actually on the team. It was over two years I wasn't on the team. So that was one thing. When I ended up off the team in the middle of my junior year, I realized, all right, this coach, this is his first season. So I said, even if this guy gets fired, it's not going to be next year. Right? They're going to give him a couple of years. So I'm probably not going to play another game of college basketball. So I already, that moment when I'm leaving the gym, the day he kicked me out the gym, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm reconstructing in my mind what – can I do now? Because I got to prove my point that I am somebody in basketball. I didn't get to do it in college. It's over now. The only other level left is the pros. So I already had this in my mind as a junior in college. This is 2000 and early 2003. I didn't start playing pro till 2005. All right, so it's a two and a half year gap. Other thing that happens when I got out of college in 2004, uh, my parents asked me, okay, son, you graduated. You got your degree. Congratulations. What are you going to do now? And I told them I wanted to play basketball professionally. And this didn't quite make any sense because, yeah. I mean, they saw the whole journey. I barely played in high school, didn't even play my last year and a half of college at a small school that doesn't produce pros. And now I'm saying I'm going to play pro ball. It was like a pipe dream. Didn't make any sense. And my mother was just asking me questions about it. Do you have a job opportunity? Do you have a plan? Do you have somebody, you know, do you have offers to go play? And she doesn't know anything about sports. She was just asking questions that anyone would ask you if you said you were going to go work in a certain industry all right how are you going to do it what's your plan what's the process yeah. i didn't have answers to the questions so she was basically holding a mirror up to my my dream which didn't make any sense it didn't yeah. make sense logically so basically the same thing i would have did to somebody if they said the same thing to me and i took those two experiences my parents holding that mirror up to me and the coach uh, getting me out of the program in college. And those were really the, the fuel in the tank, if yeah. you get what I'm saying. So strategically, logically, rationally, it was, okay, go to the exposure camp, save up your money, negotiate with your boss, go play well, go call a bunch of agents, sell yourself. That's the logical part. Yeah. I, I can, everybody got that, right? Everybody listening to this, you can go do that. But if you don't have any gas in the tank, all right, there's no way you could do that for two and a half years. Yeah. So I had the gas in the tank. That was the, the emotional push that allowed me to do the logical things. So the question I was going to ask, uh, which goes through my mind, because mindset, I'm great. Uh, uh, I'm in congruence with exactly everything that you've said. But how mm. can you teach this to people that uh, the gas is just half full? Is this a yeah. teachable thing or is it something that you already have? Well, it's actually both. So it can be something that you already have. The challenge for many people, if it is something that you already have, you have to learn how to direct it and control it, which is what a lot of people don't have because everybody has emotions on some level. Some people express them more often than others. But often what happens is people allow their emotions to control them rather than them controlling the emotion. Mm. So the emotion was I was you no know, angry, upset, frustrated about these two circumstances that I told you about, the coach yeah. and you know, my parents, the conversation I had with my parents. But I didn't use it to lash out or get mad at them or you no know, cuss them out because what, what was that actually going to do for me? Nothing. Blame game. As, as right. Well. Yeah, it wasn't going to do anything. And it wouldn't do anything. I would, it would feel good, but it wouldn't be good for me. Right? So what I was looking for is 
because I've always I've always been a person who tries to look at things as objectively as possible, as objectively as a human being can be. We're all subjective on some level. Yeah, but yeah. I remember when I was walking out of the gym the day that my coach kicked me out, out of practice, the rest of my teammates were still in the gym. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, because I automatically start going into reconstructive mode. All right, what's mm-hmm. my vision now? Because the old vision is over. And what am I going to do now? And I said, I know I'm better than all these guys who are still in the gym. These are friends of mine, good guys. Yeah. But I know I'm better than them. But right now, if somebody who doesn't know me looked at the situation, he would say, Dre, you can think all you want, but they're on the team and you're not. Right? So you can't say you're better than somebody. Look at their results. Look at your results. Yeah. So I said, okay, what result can I produce that proves my point? And since college was over, the only answer remaining was to play pro. That was it. So that that was the first step. So that's how I start to channel that emotion into a logical process. And the same thing when you know, I had the conversation with my parents post-graduation. Okay, what they're saying is absolutely correct, that you have no plan. This, is, this sounds good, but how are you actually going to do it? There was no real plan. So I took the emotion from the, the frustration and disappointment with that conversation and I channeled that into, all right, there's no way that I'm going to allow this circumstance to defeat me. Now, it wasn't my parents defeating me because they weren't against me. Mm. It was just they were like, look, we want you to be a successful adult. You're a college graduate now and you're talking about doing something that you might not be able to do. So we want you to be successful and you know, be on our track record as a successful child. So I took the emotion of that disappointment. And I channeled it into this logical process that I was going to follow in order to get to my outcome. So uh, to summarize this, Jason, I tell people this to this very day that emotions are great gas pedals, but they are Mm. terrible steering wheels. Yep. I love the analogy. So what questions would you ask yourself uh, or what questions could you ask people in the audience specifically to help them challenge what goes on inside their mind and control exactly what you've said by focusing on that inner giant, the uh, the emotional part of the brain that we have, which is the limbic system, which mm. is our feelings and emotions and so on and so forth, rather than our neocortex, which is our decision-making part of the brain. What questions would you could you ask just to control... Uh, that thing that's in our head, that self-doubt, that fight, flight, or freeze mechanism that stops us and helps us and protects us because it's a good mechanism, but that needs to be controlled as well, which is the reptilian Mm. part of the brain. That needs to be quietened down a little bit. And how can we charge forward? Because it is the conversations we have with ourselves. No one else is having that conversation. Mm. What can we say to ourselves specifically? I'm giving you time to think of an answer here, but what could you ask? What could you ask yourself in a list of questions to get over or start to challenge that? Well, number one thing is we got to find some we got to find some triggers. We got to find we got to find some gas. Right. So, I mean, you had the best car in the world. No gas and it's not going anywhere. So exactly. Yeah. We need to find some triggers. And the good news for people, especially adults, you have enough life experience that there are some triggers there. You just got to dig. Some people have them fresh in their minds. It's easy. And some people, they got to dig for them. But you have to find them, even if you gotta, even if you gotta make it up. Yeah. Right. So you gotta, or you have to sensationalize it. Let's not even say mm-hmm. make it up, but because you got something. If you, even if you have to sensationalize it and make it into bigger, something bigger than it is. But we need those triggers because those are what are going to push you through. That even while you're doing the logical stuff, it's not all. It's not all going to work perfectly. Like step one, step two, step three, yeah. step four, perfect done. 
it's not going to happen that way. Right? How many phone calls do you have to make? Right? How many events do you have to show up to? How many people do you got to try to sell yourself to? How many emails do you have to send? How many sales calls do you have to have? Right? It will it will work, but it's not going to work the first try. So what's going to push you through on those days when it's not working? And if you don't have any gas in the tank, then that's where it kind of all falls apart. Uh, the challenge for a lot of people, Jason, is that they get so caught up in the, I think you said the neocortex, the, the logical yeah. part, right? They get so caught up in the logic. What do I need to do? How do I do this? And oh, let me go read another book. Let me go take another course. Let me go sign up for another conference. Let me go mm -hmm. get another coach. They think getting more how-to, more strategy is the key. It's not the key. The key is having the right fuel with a strategy that works. Strategy doesn't even have to be that good. You got the right fuel. Like my strategy wasn't foolproof. It was no guarantee my strategy was even going to work. Right? It's not like somebody wrote that in a book. I just came up with it because it just made most sense to me. But because I had the gas in the tank, that's the reason why I was able to work. Yeah. It's like uh, meditation without action. So you can meditate and you can be right. up there and fluffy in the clouds. I meditate all the time. But you have to come back out of that and go, well, what do I need to do now, which is the best use of my time, right? so I can get business coming in? So it is questions that you have to continually ask yourself and keep yourself disciplined. I, I use a Pomodoro technique for me to keep myself. I use an app, and it pings at me 25 minutes break, 25-minute break, and then I can flow in and do the stuff. But it is, I always like to say, what is the best use of my time right now so looking at golden nuggets what sort of golden nugget could you leave the organ audience now based on some part of your experience to propel them forward because people listen to this are in sales they are in leadership positions but they want to have that drive and that whatever that might be that mojo whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. well i would give i would talk to them about this concept that we call the third day and the third day is all about, let's say you show up to something, something brand new you signed up for. Say you signed up for the gym. First day, you feel great. You, know, you got a new trainer, new workout gear. You're going to get yourself in shape finally. And that first workout kicks your butt, though, because you haven't worked out in a while. The trainer pushes you really hard. You drag yourself home. You look in the mirror. You say, hey, I'm doing this. Second day, got a little bit of soreness from the first day, but it's still pretty new. So working out still has that new car smell. You haven't yep. worked out two days in a row in a long time. Workout pushes you really hard. Again, drag yourself home. You look in the mirror, a little bit less enthusiasm. I'm doing this. But by the third day already, you're questioning your decision-making process. Like your sneakers feel like they're made to submit. Like you don't want to say hi to the smiling person at the front desk. Like you don't want to hear the trainer's mouth. You, this is one of those days where you might just text the trainer and say, just charge me for the session because I'm not coming. Yep. Right, the third day is any moment or circumstance in any situation when you realize that the newness is worn off, the novelty is gone, it's not one big party, and there's some actual work that needs to be done. And what the third day is, is a decision. It's not the occurrence. It's the decision of what you do in that moment when you realize, okay, now I got to kind of grit and grind my way through this day. It's not going to be all fun and all easy. And this is the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs yeah. because a professional has to show up and deliver regardless of how they're feeling, whereas an amateur has the option of only showing up when they feel like it. But the difference between a professional and an amateur, by definition, is a professional gets paid to do something as their main occupation. And the only reason anybody will pay you is because they know what they're going to get from you. And you're consistent in your delivery. And being consistent in delivery does not mean you're consistent in how you feel. Because any professional, there are days they don't feel like doing the thing that they're professional at. 
but they still show up and do the thing. That's why they're professionals. So that's the biggest thing for especially a salesperson because we're getting hung up on uh, emails, not responding, people telling us no, missing sales, door slammed in our faces. What do you do on the next call after that last one went that way? That's what makes you a pro. Yeah, I totally concur with that. Uh, and that makes so much sense. Uh, ironically enough, I trained a um, customer service team the other day. Hmm. And they're so used to knockbacks, knockbacks, knockbacks. And the people that I saw that were going to do well are the ones that had that passion in their voice, that tone, that tonality, that they wanted to help people. And it's just amazing to see the difference in types of people. And you can see the ones that are going to be successful and are going to be driving forward. But is you're absolutely right. You might have done it a thousand times, but you have to show up in exactly the same way every single time so how can we find out more about what you do in a fantastic collection collected type of things that you do because it's always wonderful to have that sure so the best place to find out about what we're doing is our uh programs that work on your game university.com that's the only place i do any coaching the only place i work with anybody directly is at the university but other than that, I am active on all social platforms, probably most actively Instagram, where I use the Instagram stories function uh, all day, every day. So my Instagram is just my name, at Dre Baldwin. But I'm on every other platform, so just look me up. I'm pretty easy to find online. All my profiles are public. And, and you've written some books as well. So you might want to just plug those as well while you're here. Oh, sure. Yeah, I got a lot of books. So the third day is that concept that I just explained. There's a whole book on that. It's called third, The Third Day. Third Day Book. Dot com. You can see the there's a hardback version of it right here. Ah, very cool. And yeah, so if you're in uh, anywhere in the world, we can send you a physical copy of this book, paperback or hardcover. Just go to thirddaybook.com. We actually offer you the book for free. We just ask you to cover the shipping. If you're international, shipping's a little bit more. You'll all probably already know that. In the USA, shipping's $9.95. But the book is available on all platforms. Uh, you can get it if you prefer Amazon. You don't want to wait for us to ship it to you. You can get it that way as well. But we have funnels of books. So if you buy a book from us, we're going to offer you a bunch of other books. So you're not getting just one book. Who reads just one book anyway? Nobody. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like me, behind me, I've got loads of books that I read. Right, exactly. So right. I'll have to and get that and add that to my uh, collection of books that I, I get from uh, from people as well. So sure, uh, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on. And I was really excited to have you on because you did something different which stirred my curiosity as i said in the start and one of the biggest lessons that you can get through especially when you're in sales and you did it so well is to cut through the noise and do something different and create a narrative create a story and you did that with a video and it connected straight through to me straight away so Big, big lesson from anyone that's listened to this podcast is be yourself, be different, push through and cut through the noise and keep being consistent at what you do at a very high level. Really appreciate having you on this podcast show today. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you, Jason. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for sharing your platform. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host as usual, Jason Cooper. A little bit more about me because as a coach and as a trainer, 
Jason will help you reach your full potential with his focus on relationship building, problem solving, and a deep understanding of customer needs. Jason Cooper is an expert you need to guide you to success in the world of sales. Don't miss the opportunity to connect with Jason Cooper, jasoncooper.io, and take your skills to the next level, whether you're an individual, sales professional, part of a team, it's coaching training workshops are designed to help you achieve your goals and drive through you to the next heights in improving your skills. So please reach me at jasoncooper.io. More importantly, please listen to the next episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast.